0: take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2 this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 2, as we are looking at the life of Paul, looked in as Paul the spiritual pastor, looked at Paul as a preacher. This morning, we'll look at Paul in the aspect as his role as a parent, as a parent. None of us are an island to ourselves. We're all here today because of other people we're here because of our choices brother george but also because the influence of other people in our lives he and i had this little conversation that was sermon number one about nine o'clock sermon number two is now but all of us have people that influence us and help us to get here i always love to watch about this time of year about two weeks from now the hall of fame game football's back thank you lord (laughs) but during that hall of fame game after that time there is a hall of fame awards and i love listening to the speeches especially those who are christian men uh, men like kurt warner others who give testimony of salvation and they always talk about the people who helped him get to that place if they did not get that jacket being enshrined in the in the NFL Hall of Fame, just because of their talent alone. There was a parent, there was a coach, there was a mentor. There was someone along the way that helped them to get to where they are. And all of us are here today because of others who've helped us and encouraged us and strengthened us and been there for us. Of course, Paul was a spiritual parent. All of us need three people in life. We need a Paul, someone who encouraged us, helps us, mentor us. We need a Barnabas, someone who knows who we really are and loves us anyway and encourages us in the faith. And we need a Timothy, someone we can mentor, someone we can encourage, someone we can help. I wonder this morning, who is your Paul, who is your Barnabas, who is your Timothy? We ought to have all three. Well, let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 in verse 1. Second Timothy chapter 2 in verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray in these moments we have together that God, you'd sanctify this time. You'd set this time apart. This is a holy time because we're in a holy place. And I pray, God, you'd help us to be holy as you are holy. I pray, God, that anything that's said and done this behind this pulpit would honor and glorify the name of Jesus Christ. I pray if there be someone in, in our midst here this morning or maybe watching online now or later, God, that do not know you. Father, please draw them to yourself before it's too late. Save the one that's closest to hell. And I pray Lord for us as believers, Lord, that today we would be just a little closer to you because we've been here, we fellowship with the saints, we've sang the hymns, and now we listen to your word. Help us to not just to hear it, but Lord, help us to obey it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What do we learn from Paul the Apostle here as he ministers? What was different about him than other people? How did he invest his life his life into those he ministered to? How did he do that? Why did he do that? Well, first of all, this morning, I want us to see his passion. His passion. The Bible talks about him being a man full of grace, a man... preached on the grace of God. Actually, over a hundred times in his writings, he talks about the grace of God. What is grace? We talk about grace. Have you ever had it defined for you? You Ever thought about it? Well, some people define it as grace is unmerited favor. Other people use the acrostic God's riches at Christ's expense. I found one definitionary of, of grace in a Bible dictionary. Favor or kindness shown without regard to the worth or merit of the one who receives it, and in spite of what the person deserves. I don't know about you, but I know one thing this morning. I don't deserve the grace of God, but I'm sure glad for it. I'm so glad for the grace of God this morning. You see, Paul knew God's grace for strength. You need strength this morning? Maybe you're feeling weak physically, spiritually, emotionally. Oh, I can tell you no other place, don't go to the self-help place in the, in the, in the, on the Internet or in the bookstore. If You're not going to find a whole lot of help there. But you can find grace in your time of need in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your strength. He is your strength. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles that I am meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But think about what he just said. He was there when Stephen was stoned. They laid the coats at his feet when he was called Saul, meaning he gave approval to Stephen being stoned to death. He persecuted the church. He wrought havoc on the church. You read it in the book of Acts. But yet he was called to be an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ by the grace of God. Verse 10, for by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. So Paul was saying, by the grace of God, I'm, I'm doing everything I can. I'm working as hard as I can, but it's not me. It's the grace of God that's in me. Did Paul knew the grace of God? Well, Paul surely knew the grace of God at Lystra when he was stoned in Acts chapter 14. Certainly Paul needed grace when he faced a King, a Governor Felix and King Agrippa in Acts chapter 24 through 26. Paul and other prisoners under Roman guard were all set sail for Rome. They were caught in a huge storm, if you read that passage, and they were saved by the grace of God. Every one of them were saved alive by the grace of God. He would reach Rome. He would be imprisoned for two years. He would face Caesar. His head he would lose, but he faced it and dear friend, here here today. You got up by the grace of God. You got here by the grace of God. You survived the traffic even on a Sunday morning by the grace of God. I made it from I made it from Gainesville, Florida all the way to Edisto Island, all the way to Emerald, North Carolina, not because I'm of my driving prowess, but by the grace of God. And even made it back to here to preach on this Sunday morning by the grace of God. Where will we be without the grace of God? Dear friend, if you try to live the Christian life this morning on your own, I promise you, you will fail. If you try to live the Christian life without Christ, without the grace of God, without his help, you will fail flat on your face, just like I said. You will fail. But if you live for Christ and you ask for his grace every day, he will give it to you when you need it. Sometimes people come to me and say, preacher, how can somebody go through that? So it's a difficult thing, whether it might be the loss of a loved one or or cancer or sickness or pain or suffering or whatever it may be. I believe in that time of need that God gives you individually the grace that you need during that time that the other person may not, cannot understand or even grasp because they're not going through it at that moment. I've been at the bedside of a dear Christian who just called me recently remember, and reminded me of the anniversary of her husband who passed away. I was called out, literally out of nowhere to come be by the bedside of this dear saint who was just a few moments from going to heaven. She said, Would you come be by his bedside as he passed? I watched him, I watched him breathe his last breath. And I just watched his son and daughter and wife at the bedside. I said, how, did that, how did you how did you do that? How can, they, how, can they, how can they handle that? Why didn't they go to drugs or alcohol or, so, or to some other some other person? They went through it by the grace of God. And dear friend, God will help you in the time of need by the grace of God. That's why Paul says here at the very beginning in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He didn't say, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. He didn't say, try harder. He didn't say, take medication. He didn't say, try to be like somebody else. He said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Dear friends, we need to be strong in the grace of God. We need to be strong in his grace. He knew the grace for strength, but he knew the strength grace for suffering. He needed strength in his life, and we need strength but there's times, as we mentioned, that we go through suffering. Of course, Paul went through suffering. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10, a passage that we know very well. We've read it several times from this pulpit in the last four years that I've been here. But let's read it again, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh the messenger safer and to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above the measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10, therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. This is totally opposite of the health and wealth gospel is preached today. That if anything in your life, you don't just have enough faith in your life that you're going to be sick. No, dear friend, sometimes it is God's will for you not to be well. Sometimes it is God's will for you to struggle financially. Sometimes it is God's will for you to go through pain and hardship and loss. It was God's direct will for Paul to suffer, to be buffeted by a messenger of Satan. Now, we don't know what this messenger was doing. We don't know what this struggle that he had. There's lots of uh, explanations and conjecture of other uh, theologians, and whether it be eyesight or his physical appearance, we just do not know. But we know one thing. He asked the Lord three times, whatever this was, would you take this away from me? Sometimes, dear friends, the best thing God can do for us is say no. Sometimes the best thing God can do for us is to say no. You say, Well, isn't a good good, wouldn't a good heavenly father wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't he want to always say yes? We're out on the water and the beach. We were out there, and, you know, we we're trying to find a sandbar. You know, sandbars, those things, they fluctuate. Sometimes they're in one place, and you go a little further distance. They're a little further, but it's nice to get out there a little far into the sandbar, you know, and you get the nice waves, and you fight the waves, and we're getting a little way. And it, and it was nice, and we were going to one beach, which we've been to several times. We were looking forward to some big waves that knock us down and, and drag us back up. I don't know why we were doing that, but we just thought it would be fun. get knocked down by waves and we never did really find the big waves they were pretty much calm the whole time but what if I saw my son and I said Micah just keep going there as far as you can just keep going just keep going and he said dad can I go further yeah just keep on going well I'd be crazy I wouldn't be a good dad no I actually say dad hey son hey you might want to come back this way see sometimes a good father oftentimes a good father has to say no doesn't have to do with not loving the person It's what's best for that person at the time. And for Paul, the apostle who went to the Lord three times, God, who certainly loves him, said, no, no. What's your thorn in the flesh this morning? Could be depression. Could be pornography. Could be adultery. Could be fornication. Could be drinking, lesbianism, homosexuality, gender confusion, gossip, bitterness, Pride, sickness, pain. You say, preacher, Christians, all the above. And much worse. I was at Ace Hardware there in Emerald Isle. My dear friend, George Angoni, and I had to go get a little piece, little, little, little small little piece that we needed, little part. We went there, met this brother in Christ, started talking to him. Didn't know him from Adam's house, cat. And all of a sudden, he starts talking about his cancer, which he had many years ago. Brother Eric, he had a scar. He lifted his shirt up. He had a scar this, this big on his belly. And he said, By the grace of God, I went through cancer, Brother Troy. And God saved me from that. And he said, It was by the grace of God. And we, we just about had a prayer meeting right there in Ace Hardware in Emerald Isle. He started to tear up, get excited, be thankful for what God had done in his life, and he had to walk away. I was about to say, let's have a prayer and pass the plate. Sing a song, victory in Jesus. Paul said, thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Yes, grace was his passion. But what was his path? Look at verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same thou, commit thou to faithful men who should be able to teach others also. The question is asked, what have you learned? What have you learned? See, he learned because he was a prepared man. The older I get, the more important I realize preparation is. The older I get, the more I understand the importance of what preparation is. I listened to this documentary my wife and I did about these men, the FBI agents who found the Manhattan bomber, and they said, quote, the five keys to be an undercover FBI agent are Preparation, 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 and then go and do it. And dear friend, any way you're going to be successful in life, you know where it starts? It starts with preparation. It starts with preparation. You can't just go out there and jump out there and go out there and do it. You better be prepared. Are you prepared? Paul went to preach in Athens on Mars Hill. He was prepared to answer the Stoics and the Philosophers. When Paul prepared himself, he shared his testimony of salvation. He was prepared to do it when he did it three times in the books of, book of Acts. Paul, when he learned about being a Pharisee and a Benjamite and a Roman citizen, he was prepared to share the gospel and to be used to write the, God, the, the, the words of, of God and the epistles. He was prepared for those things. Are you prepared for what God has for you? God takes a prepared person and points him in a prepared place. Are you prepared for that? Well, some of you are getting your education. Some of you are working towards something. Are you going to spend five years, ten years? Doctor, you took many years of education to get to where you were. All of us takes time. If you, you just don't jump out there and do surgery the next day. Thank God. Thank God. You prepare. You plan. I've had people come to me actually and say, "No, you, you know, you preacher, you don't need to prepare for that. Just go out there and start preaching." Yeah, ask a plumber to come to your house and just not prepare. Ask a guy change your oil tomorrow and not prepare. Ask to come somebody work on your air condition when it breaks down and not prepare, and then give you a bill and say, "Well, you know, I didn't prepare for that." How would you feel? No, dear friend, everything in doing life, we need to prepare. He prepared and he was patient. He was patient. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, by being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's salvation. Verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace, when we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's sanctification. In verse 3, not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience, experience, and appearance, experience, hope. And hope, hope maketh not ashamed because we, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given, us, given unto us. So we, we need patience. And how do we get patience? By tribulation, by difficulty, by failure, by learning, by experience, by tribulation, by more trouble, by more difficulty, by more pain or more suffering, by more education, then you get more patience, Or patience. Dr. Greg Mazak was one of my teachers who taught a youth class when I was at Bob Jones University. And he said, young man, people will not respect you as a preacher until you have teenagers. I didn't really realize what he was saying at that moment because I was only about 21 myself. But now I understand a whole lot different. That through parenting, In life in general, it teaches you patience or bitterness, but hopefully patience. (laughs) Who can teach others? Well, not just someone who's prepared, not someone who's patient, but secondly, someone who's faithful. You see, not just anybody can teach others. Moses, we read in Numbers chapter 12, verse 7, but my servant Moses is not so, who was faithful in all mine house. We learn about Moses. What well, you read about him? In the first five books of the of the of the Old Testament, especially Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He was faithful. Proverbs chapter twenty, verse six. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man, who can find? They're valuable. Their weight, their worth is like the weight of gold. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Moreover, it's quiet and stewards that a man be found faithful. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. God is faithful, who will be called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Why is Brother Pat and by, Brother West back there on the sound booth? Because they're faithful. Why is Ms. Colleen and Eric doing the, doing the cleaning of the church? Because they're faithful. Why is Brother Pete and Brother Joe doing the the finance of the church? Because they're faithful. Why is Brother Keith behind here leading singing? Because he's faithful. Why we have choir members show up? Because they're faithful. Dear friends, because they're faithful, God uses them. God doesn't use faithless people except for an illustration by a preacher. God uses faithful men. Are you faithful where you're at? Are you faithful in your home? Are you faithful in your business? Are you faithful in your practices? Wherever you are, if someone was to call your name, would they say of you, you are faithful. See, if faithfulness is, more, is bigger than talent, bigger than ability. It's being there when you're asked to be there. Being faithful. Being faithful. And He was teachable. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourself unto the elder. Yea, all ye be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Proverbs 12, verse 1: Whoso loveth instruction, loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. Reprove not a scorner, Proverbs 9:8. Lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. You ever met someone who has a whole lot of talent, a whole lot of ability, but you can't teach him anything? Oh, dear friend, there's not a whole lot of hope for that person. You have to be faithful. But, dear friend, you also have to be teachable. I read in one of Vermont's most famous Civil War soldiers, it was Private William Scott, immortalized in legend and poetry as the sleeping sentinel. Assigned to guard duty the night of August 31st, 1861, Scott was found asleep at his post. He was court-martialed, found guilty, and sentenced to be shot. His fellow soldiers interceded for him, all the way up to President Abraham Lincoln, who considered the circumstance and issued a pardon, reprieved and restored in military, to military service. Scott died a heroic death in battle eight months later. You see, it's not just one failure in life. It's the whole scope of things. A just man falls seven times and rises up again. It's not just how many times you fall. It's how many times you get back up. But in the scope of your life, Are you a faithful man or woman? Are you a teachable man or woman? We see Paul's passion, the grace of God. Paul's path, he was faithful. But thirdly, this morning, we see Paul's persistence. Look at verse 3. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know what I love about Paul? He didn't quit. The world right now is filled with quitters. Everywhere you look, in family, in business, in church, in life, as I travel along life's highway, I see people who talk about this person quit this, and this person quit that, this person quit this, and that person quit that. I, it's like everywhere you go, you see people who are quitting. We used to people who had honor, death before dishonor. They would not quit. Even in difficult situa- situations, they would not get divorced, even though things were difficult. They would stay in a job, even though they didn't like the person above them and the person below them, and all people on the side of them too. They would stick at it because they had stick to it this. They stayed at it. He didn't give up. Paul didn't quit. He didn't quit. Paul did not quit. When other apostles didn't accept him I mean can you imagine here's Paul the apostle he was there with Stephen with stone he rocked havoc on the church I'm sure people were skeptical of him but he didn't quit when people talked about him and gossiped about him and lied about him and said all manner of evil things about him he didn't quit he didn't quit when Barnabas he and Barnabas disagreed he didn't give up. He said, "I'm done with this Christianity, you know." I started in the my mentor Barnabas, he, he you know, he disagrees with me, so I'm out of here. I will quit. No, Barnabas and Barnabas and Mark went one way and Paul and Silas went went, went, went the other way, and it was profitable for them both. He didn't quit. He didn't quit when fellow Jews made a pact not to eat until he was killed. In Ephesus, Paul did not quit or hesitate or equivocate when Demetrius the coppersmith spoke evil against him and started a riot in Ephesus disturbed the people against Paul. He didn't give up. He didn't give up. Church member, church member, don't quit. Don't quit. Because somebody may come in here and maybe not please you the way they should please you or maybe didn't shake your hand. Or maybe someone comes in as is not friendly as you think they are. They were on the wrong color shirt or it's too cold, or it's too hot. Don't quit on silly stuff like that. Be a faithful man or woman of God and say, by the grace of God, I'm going to stick to it, or die. Have that type of loyalty. Have, be that type of person that you're faithful and you don't give up. Paul also encouraged others not to quit. He encouraged John Mark, even though they had a falling out. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. He didn't, he didn't say, okay, Mark, you know, he's doomed forever. He'll never be good for anything. No, by the grace of God, Mark got right with God, and Paul saw it and said, hey, even though I disagree with him in the past, he's now profitable for the ministry. Dear friend, don't write anybody off. All of us deserve a second chance. So do you. So do we. Amen? Man. Amen. I go down even times of sunny and have a bad meal. I go back. I go back. <laughs> he encouraged Timothy. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7, For this cause I sent Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful to the Lord, who shall bring you to every remembrance of my wage, which should which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. He encouraged Mark. He encouraged Timothy. Timothy didn't have a, he had a godly grandmother and a godly mother, but didn't have a very good father. He was a Grecian. So Paul took him under his wing and helped him and encouraged him and wrote to him. Paul encouraged Philemon and Onesimus. Philemon, chapter 1, verse 8, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ and join thee, that which is inconvenient, for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such as one as Paul the age, and now also as a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee, for my son Onesimus, whom I'm forgotten in bounds, which is the time past, was thee unprofitable, but now profitable with thee and to me. Whom I've sinned again and therefore receive him that is mine own bowels. He said, I love this man so much. I care about this man so much. Even though there's a, a the relationship of Onesos of being a servant, because now he is saved, think about him not as a servant, but as someone who's a brother in Christ. Encourage him. What was Paul doing? Paul was reconciling a broken relationship in his whole life. He was trying to reconcile people one with another, trying to help them be together, not just based on goodwill, but based on the fact that there were sinners who needed the grace of God and the unity in the body of the bounds of peace. We read about it in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell, and have meet peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. He was reconciling people one to another, people who'd been estranged, people who had bitternesses and struggles and, and problems. He said, get right with one another, love one another, be kind to one another, forgive one another. Because that's what Christ has done for us. Think about this morning, everything you've done to Jesus Christ. Think about times you failed him. Think about times you've disappointed him. Think about how many times you've not been what you should have been. And for all those sins, he's forgiven you every time, hasn't he? Dear friend, how about we treating other people how God treats us? How about loving other people and caring about other people the way God loves us? What was Paul doing? He was being just like Jesus Christ. Jesus goes into a man's house who's a Pharisee. Oh, a Pharisee. Man, they they didn't like him. They said bad things about him. They said you shouldn't be around these other Pharisees. How can you eat with these people who are publicans? How can you do it? Because he loved them. That's why. That's how. It wasn't so much of what they said about Jesus. It's what Jesus was willing to do because it was the will of the Father. How about us? Can we be spiritual parents to people? When other people say give up on them, it's easy to. Speak bad about them. You want to. Give up. Quit. Stop. Oh, dear friend, what if somebody said that about you? Where would you be today without that spiritual parent, that mentor, that friend, that boss, that employer, that employee, that person that helped you, that guided you, that strengthened you, that got you to the place where you are today? Where would you be? i tell you what, I wouldn't be here today. If it wasn't for Dr. Nikki Chavers, who I heard preach sermon after sermon after sermon, and many a time I didn't even know what he was saying. He was past me. He was so much past me. But he told me, He said, Marty, you're just a young Christian. Just come, just do one thing: read your Bible, pray, and come to church. And many a time I didn't want to be there. <laughs> I would rather party with my friends back at old White Hampton High School. He said, Marty, would you get saved and you get baptized? Read your Bible and pray and come to church. And I came to church, and like I said, I didn't understand a lot of it, but I got just little pieces of it. It was like a little bird even just a little worm, just getting a little piece, a little piece, little piece, a little piece. I beginning to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I got to go to a Bible college and sit under godly men and women. Then I got to go 18 years under Pastor Bill at that place where I cannot name. Because I've paid money if I, if I say that name again. I got to learn I, I'm only here today speaking to you dear folks by the grace of God and may I ask you today would you show that grace to somebody else certainly every one of us in this room there's somebody we can help there's someone who needs us you see I can't be everywhere that you are you have a friend you have a relative you have a grandson or granddaughter or cousin or aunt or someone that you can influence, that you can only influence. Then you might not even be able to be there personally. You may be only be able to text them or email them or call them, but you have an influence on their life. You say, Preacher, I can't preach behind a pulpit, okay? You can't sing, behind a, sing in a choir, okay? You can't maybe pass out a track at a Gator game, okay? But every one of us, no matter who you are, If you're within the sound of my voice and you're still breathing, which you would be, you have an opportunity to influence somebody else. The question is, what are you doing with that influence? Are you just wasting your time building your kingdom and, you know, piling up paste pearls that won't matter a thousand years from now? The most important thing you can do in this world is take the word of God, which lasts forever, and put it somehow some way in the lives of other people boys and girls and men and women and I ask you this morning how are you doing that who are you helping get to Jesus number one cause that's the first place that's, that's where it all starts get to Jesus and secondly who are you helping be more like Jesus who are you helping become a, a Christian that's salvation you say well preacher how, you know I don't I can't go through the whole Roman's road. I don't know. I don't have memorized. Give somebody this. Brother George Angoni told me, the assistant pastor of Manuel Baptist Church, he was thinking about committing suicide. He stopped and picked up a track in the trash. In the trash. Picked it up. Read it. Getting ready to go kill himself. Got saved. And now he's the assistant pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in North Carolina. All because somebody put a track out. Then somebody probably saw that track and said, I'm going to throw it in the trash. And that person grabbed it out of the tracks. track. And in a moment of desperation, he read that track. And now he's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, dear friend, yeah, you should know the gospel. You should know the Romans Road. You should know. Yes, you should be able to tell others the hope that lies within you. But, dear friend, just pass out a track. When you go to the barbecue place or wherever you go, the, the Italian restaurant or the Mexican restaurant, give the waitress this. Leave it on the table. As I was traveling down, down to 95, I stopped to get gas. I put my little card that we have back in the back. Every time I got gas, I put it in a little credit card holder. Why? Because they got to grab it out and they have opportunity to hear the gospel see the gospel. The thing is, what influence are you and I going to be to somebody? You have only one life. Only one life twill soon be past. Only what's done for Jesus Christ will last. What type of spiritual parent are you going to be? How are you going to help another person today? And how can you thank those? Who've helped you get to where you are today, Father? We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for all the people that have invested their time, their life. They poured it into us, so that we in turn can take the life that you've given us and pour it into the life of other people. Oh God, I pray that you would help us today. Life is a vapor. It appears for a little time and vanishes away. We only have a little time to invest our life, but God, this time is so important because it's all we have. Whether we have 10 years or 15 years or 20 years or 40 or 50, God, we may use it for thy honor and for thy glory, knowing someday we will see you face to face. First of all, I wonder tonight, do you know Christ this morning? Do you know Christ is your savior? Do you know that you know if you were to die the day you'd be in heaven? I didn't ask if you're a Baptist. I didn't ask if you have got baptized. I didn't ask if you joined the church. I didn't ask you if you're a good person. I didn't ask you if your parents were saved. I didn't ask if you prayed. I ask you, do you know for sure if you would die today to go to heaven? If you're here this morning and say, preacher, I'm not sure. If you're not sure, then dear friend, how about taking care of the day? The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. You know you're a sinner. We've all sinned. But thank God it says not just that we've all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Because of the grace of God, Jesus Christ was sent to the old rugged cross, shed his blood, was buried three days. And after three days, he rose again to pay our sin debt so that you don't have to suffer for your sins. Jesus already suffered for your sins. And dear friend, if you'll pray and ask Christ to save you, he will save you today.